All right, what's up? I'm right here. Uh, it's going to be quite a stream today. It's basically the Bernie Sanders live stream <laughs> today. I was really trying to reach out. I mean, there are other stories I could cover, but the issue is um, some of the other stories that I wanted to cover really require me to, uh, you know, re reference articles and that kind of thing. And it's harder to do during a live stream because I don't want to be scrolling through entire articles. But um, let me preview what's coming up today. Um, a recent shock move by Chuck Schumer. Chris Matthews makes an oddly accurate Iowa assessment. Uh, Bernie Sanders exposes the failure of both parties. Uh, AOC launches a pact to rival the DCCC. Uh, Sanders uh, endorsements of the week. So various endorsements for Bernie Sanders this week. A report that Trump obsesses over Bernie's popularity. <laughs> and um, I think I got one more story here. Oh, yeah. The polling of the week. So uh, this one... Occasionally, I don't prep this story. I just collect links over the course of the week and I click through them. So it's going to be one of those like surprise things where I click a link and we're going to see, oh, that's what the poll says. So we'll get there. Before we get to all these stories, of course, the rationalnational.com slash join. All the links are below the video in the description box. Um, there's the link for this link uh, to, to the Patreon page. There's also a PayPal link, a Streamlabs link. Um, there's YouTube memberships. So all different ways to support the show. Uh, one of my recent videos, actually a couple of my, my recent videos were demonetized. Um, they were eventually remonetized, but it takes like 24 hours, but it was so weird. Like the, one of my most positive videos ever, the video about the new Bernie Sanders, um, ad made by uh, a few, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders supporters that was demonetized. And it's like the most positive video possible. I don't even know what they got on that one. Uh, but then it was remonetized. But when it comes to news, it's hard, like, this stuff needs to hit quick. Like, I want to put this stuff out. Luckily, that wasn't really a, a, you know, a vital piece of news, so I could wait to post that video. But basically, what I'm trying to say is supporting the show really helps keep me going and makes me not have to rely on YouTube ad revenue um, because that stuff is inconsistent. All right, let's, let's move on. Actually, what else do I want to mention? Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. All right. I'm, I'm kind of tired this week, so I'm really going to try to keep my energy up, uh, but I am tired. Not going to lie. But also, of course, Super Chats throughout the stream, I'll take those, and then I'll finish up at, finish up at the end with the rest of them. All right, let me uh, just prep this first story, as there is several links to hit. So Senator Chuck Schumer has made a surprising vote on Trump's new NAFTA, the USMCA. So first, at the debate, let me show you uh, why Bernie Sanders said that he is opposing Trump's new uh, NAFTA. The answer is we could do much better than a Trump-led uh, trade deal. Uh, this deal, and I think the proponents of it acknowledge, will result in the continuation of the loss of hundreds of thousands of good-paying jobs as a result of outsourcing. The heart and soul of our disaster trade agreements, and I'm the guy who voted against NAFTA and against permanent normal trade relations with China, is that we have forced American workers to compete against people in Mexico, in China, elsewhere, who earn starvation wages, a dollar or two dollars an hour. Second of all, every major environmental organization 
has said no to this new trade agreement because it does not even have the phrase climate change in it. And given the fact that climate change is right now the greatest threat facing this planet, I will not vote for a trade agreement that does not incorporate very, very strong principles to significantly lower fossil fuel emissions uh, in the world. But Senator Sanders, to be clear, the AFL-CIO supports this deal. Are you unwilling to compromise? The AFL-CIO does, the machinist union does not, and every environmental organization in this country, uh, including the Sunrise organization, who's supporting, who are supporting my candidacy, opposes it. All right, so Bernie Sanders opposes the USMCA because it doesn't uh, address uh, climate change and it won't stop the outsourcing of jobs. Elizabeth Warren is for it. So before I even show you Chuck Schumer's uh, take on, on the new NAFTA here, keep in mind that Chuck Schumer is, at least on this issue, now to the left of Elizabeth Warren, which is shocking. So here is what uh, Chuck Schumer had to say about the USMCA. Despite the improvements Democrats secure to better protect, uh, protect workers, I'm voting against the USMCA because it doesn't address climate change, the greatest threat facing our planet. Chuck Schumer <laughs> is to the left of Elizabeth Warren on trade. I got to tell you, when this campaign, when this, when this race first began, I thought, you know, Elizabeth Warren would be a good backup if Bernie didn't work out. Now, I don't know what the hell's going on with her campaign. I don't know who is behind this, uh, and not even just her position on, on the USMCA, but in general, on her attacking Bernie Sanders. Like, I don't know what is going on. But what I do know is that it is now hard for uh, many progressive voters, many lefties, many democratic socialists to uh, trust Elizabeth Warren. Like, I, before I thought, you know, Elizabeth Warren wouldn't be my first choice for Bernie's VP, but she'd be... A fine choice if that ends up being the case now i really don't want her to be vice president um again assuming bernie gets the nomination because i just i don't think she would be a fighter that i could actually trust on these issues now let me show you um let me show you here oh actually by the way i should also mention chuck schumer here He's likely only really <laughs> voting against the USMCA because he's afraid of a primary challenge in two years. Um, he doesn't want someone running, running to the left of him, likely somebody like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who could totally uh, primary Chuck Schumer if she wanted to. But let me show you her take uh, on this. Trump's NAFTA 2.0 is an enormous multinational prize for climate deniers and the fossil fuel industry. It's a carbon emissions nightmare that locks the U.S. in for years and blocks whoever wins the presidency in 2020 from negotiating a better deal. It's a bad idea, folks. This is the uh, NAFTA that Elizabeth Warren supports. Now, I should be, you know, to be super fair, it's not just Elizabeth Warren. Everybody else on that stage, every, everyone else in the Democratic race supports NAFTA 2.0, except for Bernie Sanders. He's the only one that's actually uh, fighting back and, and recognizing that, you know, you can't just do a new NAFTA every every few years. Like you have to like these trade deals last. So when you do sign a new one, it has to matter. And because it doesn't address 
uh, climate change and really doesn't address the fundamental issue of many of these trade deals, then it's a bad deal. Uh, one more thing to share here. This is the full tally of the votes on the USMCA, the new NAFTA. So let's go through this, uh, or let's go through the, the nays here. So the only pe people that voted against the new NAFTA, Cory Booker, again, we're thinking about here the political calculations that are behind this. Um, Booker also, I'm sure, wants to avoid a primary challenge. Uh, so we got Booker, Gillibrand, uh, Kamala Harris, again, that's definitely a strategic vote there. Um, Markey, uh, Reed, Sanders, of course, uh, Schatz, and Schumer, and Toomey, uh, to my surprise. I have to look more into that, into why uh, that's a nay vote. And uh, Sheldon Whitehouse. So those are the only nay votes on the new NAFTA. Everyone else voted for it. And right now, I believe um, it's pretty much up to Canada at this point to say, all right, we're good with this, and it ends up being the new NAFTA. So doing this, like giving Trump a win like this, like even apart from the actual uh, deal itself, giving Trump a win like this is not like <laughs> he's in the middle of impeachment and you're giving him a win in the new NAFTA. You're giving him an argument for him to be able to say in 2020, while they were impeaching me because they hate me so much, they allow me to sign this new trade deal uh, and, and, you know, this new NAFTA for the American workers. And he can... He can, he's, you're giving him an argument to squirm out of the fact that he's been a horrible president for three years. Like, just from a purely political standpoint, let's say even if the new NAFTA was an incredible deal, there would still be a question about whether you should actually do this in the last year of uh, Trump's term because you're giving him a political win when he doesn't need it. And you could sign a better deal if you become president. So just completely stupid all around. And again... Very disappointing to see Elizabeth Warren support this. All right. Of course, my phone goes off. Fantastic. I'm just seeing why. Okay, it's not showing me. All right. Uh, I think I, I think I saw some super chats or heard some super chats. Let me hit those up first. And by the way, we shouldn't like the focus really shouldn't be Elizabeth Warren. Um, it just is right now. <laughs> but it's sorry. I just saw was Bill Maher on Joe Rogan's show. One sec. I know this is very impromptu. Oh, my God. I got to check that out. I'm just super curious what that conversation was like. That's crazy. <laughs> Look at that. Bill Maher was on Joe Rogan, and I'm, I'm in the middle of watching the Jimmy Dore one. I, uh, I'm enjoying it. I say check it out. But, um, wow, that's uh, out of nowhere. Anyways, let me get to Super Chats. Go and watch that Bill Maher or Jimmy Dore one after this live stream. <laughs> I know it's kind of weird for me to be uh, advertising other podcasts in the middle of my live show, but I'm definitely going to be checking those uh or that Bill Maher one out. All right, super chat. Um, Mikey Kingston asks, "How's your back? <laughs> Stay up, killer." Yeah, I got to keep my. I got to be a little more, a little better posture. Um, back's getting better. 
I'm taking a physio right now, physiotherapy. It's uh, it's definitely improving. So uh, thank you for asking. Uh, Stephen Lindsay Satterfield uh, sends a generous donation saying, thanks, David. Thank you. Um, Amazing Shooter uh, says, David the Goat, greatest of all time. That's a big compliment, <laughs> but thank you. Uh, Liquid's Back says, ever play Total War series? Uh, try it. It is a PC series with a risk map and RTS battles with politics. Games in Rome, Napoleon, medieval China. Um, it's funny. I worked on marketing for, for, I think it was Rome. Rome Total War. I think that's the one I worked on marketing for, for like the PC version of it. Um, that's back when I was in marketing, obviously. Uh, I, I only played, like I played a little bit. I've never really been into RTS games because I never really had a PC. Um, I've always been more of a Mac person because I'm into, you know, video editing and, and all that stuff. It, it just, for me, Mac works better. Um, but I would try it out. Uh, I would try to get back into it if I had a PC. Nick says, uh, hi, David. I love your videos. What are your thoughts on Bernie Tulsi, Tulsi as VP? There are worse choices. Um, she wouldn't be my first choice. My first choice is really Nina Turner. Rashida Tlaib, Barbara Lee, I think those three are solid choices. And maybe there's someone else I'm not thinking about. That would be a great choice. But for me, Nina Turner, uh, Rashida Tlaib, Barbara Lee are top choices. Uh, Rebecca Lynn says, I figured it out. Go with David. I always agree with you, and I share almost all your videos on my Facebook page. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, sharing definitely helps. Get the word out for sure. Thank you so much. Uh, Michael Cuomo says, what territories you think should become states, if at all? I think Puerto Rico and American Samoa should, uh, should since they do vote in elections. To be honest, I never gave much thought to it, but Puerto Rico, I think, is an obvious. Um, yeah. But I have to give more thought to that discussion. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you're a part of, you know whether you're a territory or, or not, like if, if you're voting, I mean, you should have more of a say, um, or I, sh I should say you should be able to vote for president and have a say in, you know, the country you're a part of. All right. Let me uh, get to the next door. This one is going to be Chris Matthews, <laughs> somebody I have actively avoided. Uh, for obvious reasons, but something worth sharing today about Chris Matthews. <clears throat> so Chris Matthews is definitely not a supporter of Bernie Sanders. So he has an MSNBC show, and over the past four years, I mean, really since 2015, 2016, he has a actively hated uh, the Bernie Sanders movement, actively hated the progressive movement, actively hated progressive policy, and actively hated Bernie Sanders and anyone that is, uh, you know, pushing for these sorts of policies. Uh, and an example of that, so let me give you two examples of this. So this is a first back in um, at the end uh, of October. This is Chris Matthews. Sticking with me, I have three possible scenarios. Choose your favorite, how this election for the Democratic nomination works. Number one, Elizabeth Warren wins early and keeps winning. Fast break, she wins Iowa, she wins New Hampshire, she keeps winning. She is a fast break winner of the nomination without stop. 
She goes right through Nevada with the with this Harry Reid behind her. Who knows? She takes a couple losses but can't be stopped. The second possibility is Buttigieg messes up the whole thing by winning in Iowa, taking the whole race a lot further down the road because that will hurt her chances of winning in New Hampshire. It'll give Biden a second chance back in, uh, in South Carolina. The whole thing will slow down through Super Tuesday. Buttigieg is the one that slows the whole thing. He's like a big yellow flag in a race. That slows. He's not the one that slows people down. Everything slows down. Third possibility, and I don't think it's likely at this point, Biden wins everything from the beginning. You're the Democrat. All right, so there's, there's a Chris Matthews' assessment of the Democratic uh, primary, not even mentioning Sanders at all, even though at this point in the race, Bernie is pulling second or third, just completely ignored in the discussion. Uh, just I want to give credit here. Um, Ibrahim, uh, I think that's how you say it, uh, posted it. Uh, but when, so when Bernie is mentioned on this show, this is how he's usually treated. Again tonight with Bernie Sanders saying, the country's corrupt. Our system's corrupt. Be careful about that language, Bernie. You know, be careful that our system of politics is corrupt. That's too strong. I'm sorry. Again tonight with okay. <laughs> this this clip is just it's going to be hilarious for the ages. I mean, this is this is never going to get old. It's so ridiculous to scold Bernie Sanders over correctly pointing out how the political system is absolutely corrupt from top to bottom. The influence of money alone shows you the corruption uh, that exists within politics. So this is how Sanders and his campaign are normally treated on the show on, and on MSNBC in general. Um, but something interesting happened recently. This happened. Up next, why Bernie Sanders is the candidate to beat, I think, in Iowa and New Hampshire. I've watched it. I was out there last night. I think I know what's going on out there. It may not be what you want, but I think it's what's going to happen. Bernie, out there. You're watching Hardball. Six candidates took the stage last night for the seventh Democratic debate. And let me leave you with my assessment of why Bernie Sanders is the candidate to beat in Iowa. One, his strong anti-war position. He was against the war in Vietnam. He was against the Iraq war. He's anti-war in his bones. And again last night, he let the world know it. Two, I checked the numbers. Two-thirds of the Democratic Iowa caucus voters in 2016 called themselves liberal or very liberal. Bernie swept those very liberal caucus goers in 2016 and should do it again in 2020. And this explains why Elizabeth Warren is battling with Bernie. She's trying to get the very votes that he has gotten before. Between the two of them, it's a zero-sum battle. Joe Biden, who is contending for that one-third of the caucus goers who call themselves moderate or conservatives, can't match Bernie's potential. The arithmetic is simply not there. He's battling with Buttigieg and Klobuchar for that third of the vote. So bet on Bernie in Iowa, and that's hardball now. So that is a very correct assessment of what is going on and what likely will happen. So how do you go from completely ignoring a candidate to scolding him over uh, an obvious criticism of the system, to then saying that he's going to win in Iowa. I mean, I think this kind of shows you that Chris Matthews is fully aware that he's been manufacturing consent about the Bernie Sanders campaign. You don't just ignore a candidate who's polling second or third. You don't just scold a candidate for acknowledging something that is real and that people, that voters are actually feeling. And then you go to saying that he's going to win in Iowa. I mean, the, 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 the real, uh, the reality here is that Matthews doesn't want to be wrong in his prediction. He knows, he knew the whole time that Bernie has a, a solid shot 
at winning this nomination. So when he actually goes now to make his prediction, since he doesn't want to be wrong and look stupid later on, he's going to tell you his, his he's going to give you his honest assessment. And this shows you that, you know, even the, the, the people that are most diehard anti-Sanders, anti-progressive, when it comes down to it, if they're looking at the information, looking at the data, it even shows these people that even they have to admit that actually Bernie's incredibly popular and can actually win these early states and potentially win the whole thing. All right. Let me uh, see if there's more super chat before I get to the next story. I got to wake up, guys. I am like, I feel like I'm not giving you what you deserve here. Um, it's been a long week. Larry the Truth says, now you know why I call them scumocratics. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, Larry. Uh, Richard Atkinson, uh, my th- very generous donation. Thank you, Richard. Uh, my theory. Warren is secretly on Sanders' side, after all, and knew her lie would be so transparent that it would spectacularly backfire, boost Bernie in the polls, and make all future smears of him suspect. Just joking. Yeah, I kind of (laughs) thought, I kind of figured you were joking by the middle of that sentence. Um, Yeah, it's so disappointing, though, that Warren would stoop to that level. I mean, look, it was always clear that she would not be as strong of a fighter on these issues as Bernie would. But I didn't think she would stoop to this level. I mean, this is this is worse than anything Hillary Clinton did, honestly. Warren lying about a private conversation they had. Or misremembering, potentially. But when you look into her history of all the lies that she has told for political benefit, it's hard to think that she's just misremembering the conversation. So, really disappointing. Um, Amazing Shooter sends a super chat saying, what do you think of Destiny? Uh, I don't really watch Destiny anymore anyways. Um, He was doing some, when he was having debates with with conservatives, I thought he was great. Uh, He clearly has helped a lot of people kind of get out of that, you know, alt-right mindset. Um, But then he's gone on a weird tear. He's gone after Kyle Kalinske for like the most ridiculously stupid things. Uh, so I just don't really pay attention to him anymore, to be honest with you. Uh, Larry, the truth says Warren is scum. It's Bernie 2020 or we all die world on fire. All right, Larry, I can tell uh, (laughs) you're, you're one of the, uh, you're one of the more crazier ones in the super chat, but that's all right. Uh, I, I enjoy sharing all opinions here. I don't agree with you. Um, exactly, but thank you for sharing. Uh, Andre Alexander says uh warren i think you called me a liar on tv me as sanders <laughs> i don't know if i could say i don't know i don't even know if i could say that word uh but the b word you called me a sexist and a liar on tv uh yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't go with the with the derogatory word that you used but yeah i mean it, it's it's it was dumb and uh the con- yeah that conversation afterwards Warren was clearly trying to further this narrative and whatever. The Sanders campaign has 
properly refocused because they know if they get into this stupid squabble with Warren, it's just going to help Biden. So they have re- they're they're completely focused on Joe Biden and Donald Trump, which is where their focus should be as the campaign. So I'm glad they're not focusing on Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Backdoor Man sends a super chat with no message. Thank you. Let me just get a few more before we get to the next story. Because I saw two more here. Uh, Phil Smart said months ago, Chris Matthews said the ticket should be Biden Harris because identity politics, and he didn't even know why uh, we're having a primary. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's almost like it's almost like Chris Matthews knows the only way he can stay on air is if he takes just you know direct marching orders from his bosses at MSNBC because the, the the kind of crap that he says is just hilarious. Like other people, like Chris Hayes, for all my criticisms of of Chris Hayes, he is clearly at least trying to play a balancing act where he's going to have idiots on that he has to have on like Jennifer Rubin or Neera Tandon. Um, But then in doing that, it appears they at least allow him to bring on like Ryan Grimm or AOC, you know, people that actually know what's taught, what what they're talking about, what's going on or like Sam Cedar. So like Chris Hayes is at least trying to play the game and, and bring in progressive people when he can to, uh, to share that message out there. But Chris Matthews is just like he just goes all in, <laughs> just all in on uh, on the BS and just blurting out crap like saying. Uh, for, to be fair, I haven't seen this clip, but I, I imagine uh, it's not out of the ordinary for I imagine Chris Matthews saying this that uh, Biden Harris should be the ticket uh, without even having a primary. So yeah, Chris Matthews has been uh, not somebody that's really worth paying attention to. Rebecca Lynn says, "Thank you for using my quest." for using my quest. I think there's a typo in here. I'm confused. Thank you for using my quest to write a while ago. I don't know what that means, but thank you, Rebecca. All right. Next super chat. Not I mean, not next super chat. Next story. <laughs> Tell I'm discombobulated today. So Bernie Sanders was interviewed by the New York Times for their um, endorsement process. So they're going to have their official endorsement on January 19th. I don't expect it to be Bernie Sanders, but that said, they interviewed him. um, And Bernie broke down here why Trump appealed to so many voters and also blames uh, the the result on both parties and the media as well. So uh, watch this clip. What about the fact that Trump has touched a chord in 40 to 44 percent of the people? What about that issue? It's like Trump is a symptom of a widespread problem. Yes. So, I mean, how do you address that? What is the issue? How did Trump become president? Not everybody, but tens and tens of millions of Americans feel that the political establishment, Republican and Democrat, have failed them. Maybe the New York Times has failed them, too. That, that explains the appeal of racism? Yeah. People are in many cases in this country working longer hours for low wages. You are aware of the fact that an unprecedented way life expectancy is actually going down in America because of diseases of despair. People have lost hope and they are drinking, they're doing drugs, they're committing suicide. And when that condition arises, whether it was the 1930s in Germany, then people are susceptible to the blame game. 
to say that it is the undocumented people in this country who are the cause of all of our problems. And if we just throw 10 million people out of the country, you're going to have a good job, and you're going to have good health care, and you have good education. That's all we've got to do. So all over the world, Trump didn't invent demagoguery. It's an age-old weapon, and you take a minority, and you demonize that minority, and you blame that minority, and you take the despair and the anger and the frustration that people are feeling, and you say, that's the cause of your problem. So I think that's a correct assessment. Now, some people are trying to twist this and make it act like uh, Bernie saying that racism only exists because of uh, economic anxiety, when at no point in this conversation did Bernie say that. Uh, let me show you an example of that. Mehdi Hassan, who I like a lot. Um, I mean, most cases, Mehdi Hassan is on point. But here, he just gets it wrong. I criticized both Warren and Sanders back in 2017 for trying to make Trump's appeal to racism all about economics and poverty. It's just not true. But Bernie's still saying it. I get why. He's just wrong, sadly. He's not saying racism only exists because of economic anxiety. He's saying that on the margins. So there are people that still support Trump because he's racist. They always supported him because he's racist. Those people exist. Bernie's not going to appeal to those people. Bernie's talking about the people who were fooled. The people who wanted something different because they were disturbed by this two-party system that where neither party has been helping them. So when the political establishment fails them in both parties, as he points out, in both parties, and the media fails them, people go to somebody who they think is an outsider. They see, they saw Trump and they thought, okay, this guy is different. I'm going to vote for him because I'm tired of this two-party crap. And Trump is not, you know, not necessarily within this system. He's an outsider. Let me try voting for him and see what happens. And we saw what happened. <laughs> so the people that are still with him, that are still with Trump, I mean, you got a question. Uh, I, I mean, at, at this point, if you're still with him, I think it's unlikely um, that anybody's going to get that person's vote, uh, a Trump supporter's vote that still supports Trump to this day. But the other people that were fooled, you can absolutely g get those people. Like, it's this idea, like, I, I don't know why people are so, like, why Mehdi Hassan and other people are, are so bothered by this assessment that is absolutely correct and also based in a historical context. I mean, Bernie brings up Germany in, in the uh, 1930s. Like, this is not something that's completely new. This is obvious. When people are in despair and you have a, a leader scapegoating minorities, scapegoating marginalized communities, then that can appeal to people who otherwise wouldn't feel that, who otherwise wouldn't have that hatred uh, within them. This is just obvious stuff. Um, and also, I mean, when you see the, um, let me actually share this as well. When you see the rest of the quote, it's even more obvious uh, that Bernie was talking about not everybody. So uh, the first paragraph is what you saw in the video, and then it goes on in the interview, and Bernie says this. Uh, now I think you raised the question. Let me uh, take it a step further. You haven't asked me, I suppose it's somewhere on your list, why I think I'm the strongest candidate to beat Trump. Is that on your list of, uh, is that on your list there someplace? Page two, all right. And that, and that is that there is a hardcore support for Trump, which I'm not going to be able to get through. You're right, it is racist, it is sexist. I run into that. It's hard to believe that the attitude towards women in some parts of this country, you really would have a hard time to believe it. Uh, we're back in, into the 18th century in some of these places. 
It is homophobic. It is anti-immigrant. Do I think I'm going to win those people over? Nah, no way. But do I think we can get a sliver? I can tell you how much 3%, 5%, 8% of people who voted for Trump because he said, quote, I'm a different type of Republican. I'm not going to cut Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security. I'm going to have trade policies that work for workers. We're not going to be shutting down plants in America. Exactly. So when you see the full context, it's obvious that Bernie knows not all racism exists because of economic anxiety. But there is a portion of Trump's base in 2016 that voted for him, that voted for him because they were disappointed by this two-party system that has not helped them. And they wanted an outsider. They wanted somebody different to, you know, change the game and see what happens. So that's the base that Bernie is, uh, is, is talking about there. And I also want to share this because there is, again, these fake narratives that go out there where people think, well, the Bernie bros, oh, the Bernie bros, they're going to vote for, you know, they're going to vote for Donald Trump if Bernie's not the nominee because they're, they're, so, they're so full of hate that they only want Bernie. Here we go. Some data from Emerson Polling. Percentage of Democratic candidates supporters who would back Trump against one of the other three if their preferred choice didn't secure the nomination. Buttigieg, 12%. 12% of Buttigieg supporters would back Trump over Warren, Biden, or Sanders. Warren, 10%. 10% of Warren supporters would back Trump over Buttigieg, Biden, or Sanders. Biden, 9% of his supporters would back Warren or would back Trump over Warren, Buttigieg, or Sanders. Sanders, only 4%. So it's, it's, it's amazing how these false narratives are construed. And then there's, you know, this uh, complete idea is developed around the thought that, you know, Bernie supporters are, you know, just the Bernie bros and they're just going to vote. Um, they, they only love their candidate. They see him as the leader, as a supreme leader, and they're only going to vote for him when we see in the data that actually the voters of the other candidates think that. At least a higher percentage of them would actually vote for Trump over the Democratic nominee. So don't get taken in by, uh, by false narratives like that. And I also want to point out here, look, Bernie blaming both parties is incredibly appealing to a lot of voters, especially voters that stayed home in 2016. Bernie, as a lifelong, in, uh, as a lifelong independent, he is able to call out both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, and do so in a way where people actually can trust him, where he's actually coming off as authentic, because he is a lifelong independent. So, his ability to call out both parties will bring out a lot of people that did not vote in 2016. A lot of typical non-voters, a lot of independents, a lot of young people who understand that both parties are just, you know, entrenched in big money. So when you have a leader like Bernie Sanders, lifelong independent going out there and pointing this out, pointing out the failure of the political establishment, the media establishment, and the corporate establishment, that becomes incredibly appealing to a lot of voters that don't normally vote, but would vote for someone like Bernie Sanders. All right. Super chats. Larry, Larry, the truth is back and says, guess you're not paying attention to Australia, Puerto Rico and weather stuff in the world. New Trump deal will make this world worse. 
Um, Larry is going off his last super chat, um, talking about how the world will, will burn. No, I, I hear you. The part that I disagreed with is, um, uh, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's effective to call candidates scum that you're not going to support. Um, in turn, like when you're trying to win over people, when you're trying to uh, win over the bases of certain candidates, calling their chosen candidate scum is not going to help you win them over. <laughs> Just imagine somebody, because you're clearly a supporter, I, I'm, I'm assuming, of Bernie Sanders. Imagine somebody called Bernie Sanders scum. Are you going to listen to that person's argument now? No. You're going to turn off. So you have to make a, you know, a coherent argument and not just call people names and expect to be able to win that way. You have to be actually inclusive. Um, you have to be open to uh, you know, educating people and also not even just educating, but willing to listen to why they support certain candidates and then using that information to be able to um, you know, describe why you support your candidate and maybe help convince them why their lives would improve if they supported your candidate. You don't just go around calling people names and expect to win. Uh, Deborah Van Deborah Van Sant sends a super chat. Thank you. With <laughs> it says five dot You may have put the number in the wrong spot, but thank you, Deborah. Um, that E flat guy says this debacle increases my concern that we're headed for a contested convention where Warren gives her delegates to Biden for party unity thoughts. Well, that's why you got to defeat all the candidates now. Um, at one point, to me, it did make sense that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie at the end of the uh, the race could combine their delegates together, assuming their delegates are on board with that, um, and take the nomination. But now you're right to say that I don't trust Elizabeth Warren and her delegates. I don't know what they would do. So the best case is to ensure she doesn't win any delegates. So right now in Iowa, she's not pulling a high enough to, to uh, win delegates um, in some polls. In other polls, like basically you need 15% in a state to win delegates. So if Elizabeth Warren or whoever doesn't hit that number, then they're not going to get delegates. So this is why you have to win. Like, this is why you have to volunteer. You have to phone bank. You have to donate if you can. Um, you have to educate your family and friends and make sure you're registered to vote in the primary or the caucus. So this is why you have to get involved. Uh, yeah. Gino Callas says, can you talk about the polls showing Sanders ahead despite Warren smearing him, including an entirely post-debate one and Mark Pocan endorsement? All those things are coming within this stream. So yes, I'll be talking about the Mark Pocan endorsement. Is it Pocan or Pocan? I don't know. I never know how to say his name. Um, but his endorsement, I'll be talking about uh, that poll that you're talking about as well. So yes, that's coming up. Uh, Deborah's back with another super chat. Thank you, Deborah, saying I'm very grateful for your calm voice in a time of chaos. Thank you, Deborah, so much. Thank you. A Swede runner says, how much salami can cats have? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm the wrong person to ask. I do not have a cat. Uh, Fabrice Bangarts says, it's my 40th birthday today. And news came out that Bernie is leading in the polls. We can do this, folks. He can win. 100%. Thank you, uh, Fabrice. Uh, 
Kid says Liz was a Republican when she was also a Native American. Also, white feminists should be asking Joe about Anita Hill. Uh, quote unquote, believe women, they say, but they only mean white women. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, the greatest rogue traitor sends a super chat saying Trump is claiming the, uh, that the impeachment trial is being used to sabotage Bernie Sanders campaign thoughts. Trump is saying that. <laughs> no, I don't think that's true. Um, I think it's obvious that Trump here is trying to get, you know, progressives angry, uh, about impeachment. Trump is a criminal. I think you should impeach criminals. Even if they're not going to be removed from office, you should you should go through the process to impeach a president just based on, you know, standards that should be held for being president. So 100% impeachment is a uh, a good thing. I'm not saying it's going to, you know, help Sanders, but I'm saying it's a good thing in the sense that you need to hold the president to a certain standard, and that's what's happening here. Um and with Bernie, you know, having to, to be stuck in this trial, I honestly don't think it's going to hurt his campaign all that much, if at all. He has fantastic surrogates. You have, you know, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Nina Turner. Um, I mean, go down the list. He has a ton of fantastic uh, surrogates that will be out there. And they know, like voters know in Iowa, they know that, yeah, there's impeachment going on. That's why he's not here. Like, that's one thing if Bernie went off to Hawaii and was, like, vacationing like, before Iowa. But he's not doing that. He's doing his job in the Senate. So I don't think it's really going to hurt him. He has fantastic on the ground, uh, a fantastic on-the-ground movement, you know, grassroots base, uh, door knockers, phone bankers, all that stuff. So I'm not all that worried about him uh, having to be part of this process. And especially when... <laughs> When Donald Trump is using that argument, it's just hilarious. Um, Phil Smart says, can you give me an idea of how the Iowa caucus works? I'm curious about how the interaction between Sanders and Warren supporters could play out. Thanks. Um, so I got to be honest with you. It's been a while since I went through this process. Because um, four years ago when this was going on, I remember it being something where, like, I've never been in a caucus myself, obviously. I'm Canadian. But... The idea is that you have to actually be there a while. Like, you're not just going in and voting. Um, you're actually there. And th so I believe it has to, like, people can cross over. So you can go there as a Warren supporter. And then um, say your candidate isn't hitting 15%. You can, I believe you can decide to be like, okay, well, I'm going to go in and support this candidate instead. Um, so it really depends on how Warren voters feel in that scenario. Not to mention, you know, like Andrew Yang supporters. Uh, how how they might feel in that in that situation, and you know may decide to may may think, hey, my candidate's not going to get any de any delegates here, um, so I'm going to move over and support uh, the Bernie Sanders campaign. So it's it's more of like an, an interactive process as opposed to just going in and voting. And also it also helps uh, Sanders in the sense that he has the most you know engaged voter base. So he has a lot of young people, a lot of people who are really into, you know, his platform, are really into this fight, and they're going to be really engaged, going to be, uh, you know, informing other voters that are also there uh, taking part of this process. So this helps Bernie. I mean, you go back to 2016, he won most, if not all, the caucuses. So uh, absolutely, I think um, Iowa will uh, 
be benefit be beneficial for him. Larry the Truth is back. <laughs> What's up, Larry? Um, says I'm not here to support people who never listened or paid attention. You'll never win them. Um, if that was the case, then Bernie would just lose again in 2016. Uh. Larry the Truth again says, you just said other candidates voters would vote for Trump before Bernie 2020. So why I try to get them? No, small percentage of them, like 12%, 10%, 8% compared to Bernie's 4%. That was a discussion. Not all their supporters would vote for Trump. Uh, Celeste MI says, cats have a little salami. Cats can have a little salami. There you go. There's your answer to how much salami cats can have. Uh, another, why is this question coming up? <laughs> Lloyd Tucker, cats can have a little salami as a treat. Uh, two people with answers for that question. There you go. I mean, I assume a quick Google search could have answered this, but if you, if you all want to do, <laughs> if this is how you Google search through super chats on my, on my live stream, I'm perfectly okay with it. It's supporting the show. So I have no problem. All right, let's go to the next story. Once I properly prep it. Chat's wild right now. It's going crazy. I see that our mods are here. I see Andre. Um, I'm going to guess the other one's here as well. But uh, cool. Maybe we should get some more mods though because it looks pretty busy in there. All right. I'm like double fisting here, coffee and water. All right. Um, AOC story. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has launched a pack to rival the DCCC. Now, before I get to the details on this story, I want to share uh, this part of it that broke last week. So this tweet went out. Um, Scoop, AOC withholding $250,000 in dues from the Democratic Party in protest and building her own grassroots fundraising for progressives instead. AOC riles Dems by refusing to pay party dues, bankrolling colleagues' opponents. <laughs> like... What a way to write that headline. Obviously, it's a Fox News headline. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was, if it was a, a CNN headline either, as we're going to get to CNN's take on this in a second. Um, but AOC, quote, tweets this with a reply saying, I give quite a bit to fellow Dems. We've fundraised over $300,000 for others, more than my dues, with over 50% going to swing seats. DCCC made clear that they will blacklist any organization that helps progressive candidates like me. I can choose not to fund that kind of exclusion. Yeah, so this, like, it's crazy how stories like this are not looked at objectively like they should be. You have the DCCC actively suppressing progressive primary challengers to congressional uh, politicians and 
what, they're surprised that AOC, who challenged an establishment Democrat to be able to win her seat and fight for actual people, they're surprised that she's not giving them, what, $250,000? Like, it's crazy. This It shows you there's, there's always this um, expectation that if you're in power, as the DCCC is in power within Congress, that everybody under that, every single Democratic politician has to fall in line behind what the DCCC wants to do. And the DCCC wants to, you know, raise money from big donors and think that no one should have an issue with this. Even candidates who defeated politicians that were funded by, by, by uh, big donors. Like, actually, when you look at this objectively, it makes total sense. Why the hell would AOC be trying to uh, support the DCCC when they were actively fighting um, her stance on issues? So this is the obvious solution here. This is her pack, Courage to Change. So let me zoom in here. It says, when community leaders, activists, and working class candidates try to run for office, organizations like the DCCC discourage them. These potential progressive leaders are asked, can you raise $300,000 from your friends and family? If not, don't bother trying. We're stuck in this situation because there has been a structural effort to keep people like Alexandria and people like you out of power. But today, that changes. Become a founding donor of Courage to Change and help us elect working class champions who have lived the hardships we seek to eliminate. People who have experienced racial, economic, environmental, and social injustice firsthand. And if you go to this page, you can donate, support the pack here. Um, when I cut this video uh, for YouTube, I'll have a link to this below in the description box so you can check it out. And it makes, look, it makes total sense. Like this right here, this is what happens. This is why you have politicians that are always in favor of the interests of wealthy donors and massive corporations because the people that run for Congress are the people that are able to raise $300,000 from friends and family. Do you know anybody that would give you $300,000 or are you able to have you know enough people in your life where you could raise $300,000 from your well-connected friends and family? I mean, if you don't have well-connected people in your life, you're not going to be raising that money and running for Congress. So inherently, this is a system that benefits people who are already well-established, who already have it good, and are clearly uh, unaware or unwilling to fight for people who are not in their situation. So having a pack like this to support um, progressive candidates, I mean, it really only makes sense. And um, the other, actually, the other benefit of it here, before I get to the CNN clip, which I'm going to share in a second. So a pack allows... Uh, AOC to give more than the $2,000 that are generally, uh, you know, allowed to other candidates. So, so candidates like AOC can give only $2,000 a year from their campaign to other campaigns. Um, and that's, you know, once a year. So PACs actually allow you to give $5,000 a cycle. So not per year, meaning that you can give $5,000 during the primary to a campaign, and then another $5,000 during the general election. So this actually puts um, you know, progressive somewhat on a level playing field with the DCCC. Now, still, I imagine it's going to be uh, tough for this pack to raise as much money as the, as the DCCC can from, you know, massive donors, because again, this pack is relying on mostly small individual donors. But it's at least something. 
So this is the kind of help. I mean, when you see any analysis of uh, 2018, the the elections in, in 2018 from CNN or MSNBC, they say, well, all the moderate Democrats won their races, even though that's not even true. <laughs> but they'll say that um, while completely ignoring uh, people like Claire McCaskill and you know Heidi Heitkamp and others um, that that lost their race. But they'll focus on 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 that, saying, well, all the moderate Democrats won in 2018, so we got to run moderates. That's where all the money is. If you have a moderate candidate with 10 times more money than their primary progressive challenger, yeah, there's a good chance that the moderate candidate in that primary Democratic race is going to win. So obviously, they're going to be a, a moderate candidate going up against a Republican. But it's because of the money behind them. Wins like AOC are few and far between because they don't have the financial uh, uh, backing that they need to compete with these massive campaigns. So this is why you need packs like this to at least somewhat level the playing field. Now, um, before, again, before I get into the CNN clip, because I keep uh, bringing up uh, new points here, but the Washington Post reported that AOC's PAC raised more than $150,000 after 24 hours of fundraising. So that's pretty huge. Um, it shows you that this PAC, while again, may not be able to do as well as uh, as uh, the DCCC can raise from big donors, they're still, they're still doing uh, pretty well. Let me play you... Um, this questioning here, so you have CNN here. Look at the way they 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 frame this, and uh, this person they're talking to is uh, Sherry Bustos, uh, chair of the D Triple C. Let's see, dues. Is she good for the Democratic caucus in the House? Look, she has a lot of followers. I have respect for her. She brings um, a new voice to Congress. I, that, that's a, that's a, and I'm low on time. Is she good for the caucus? You know, look, we, we've got all members from all different spectrums. Um, I, I respect her, and uh, she brings a new voice, and, and I, I think that's always welcome. It's interesting. I have the, the chairwoman of the DCCC, whose job it is to support incumbents, and, and Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez is one. And I'm asking you just a straightforward question. Is she good for the Democratic caucus in the House? We, look, she 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 brings a voice. Um, we we have members from um, all different spectrums of of the of the Democratic Party. Look, I come from a district that Donald Trump won. Um, my my politics are, are uh, somewhat different than hers, but she brings a voice that's welcome. She, and and and, I'll, and, and, and um, I have great I have great appreciation. She for raised that. more money in the third quarter of 2019 than any other Democrat in the House, including the Speaker of the House. She's given, as she counts, $300,000 to other incumbents, including some in swing districts. And I'm asking the chairwoman of the DCCC if this member, who's at right now in the top 10 of House members raising money, if she's good for the caucus. Wait, you wait, can't what? give me a straight yes or no. <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I have respect for um, all, all 235 of the Democrats. All right. So look at the framing on the questions here. Is AOC good for the Democratic caucus? If you're the press, you should be on the side of the people. You should be looking at these issues objectively from the perspective of what is the best for the most amount of people, for which generally is the poor and the middle class. That is the most amount of people. Isn't the better question to ask here to the DCCC, is it good for voters to keep raising all this big donor money? Is that good for voters? 
Or is the AOC strategy better of fighting for actual people and raising small dollars from real people who want to see uh, their lives improve? But no, the framing is because, I mean, part of it too is they want to create drama here. But the framing is, no, is AOC good for the caucus? Not, is the DCCC good for voters? So when looking at, at, at this, this story, again, it's always, it's always important to, to be able to separate uh, a story like this from the way that the mainstream press reports on it. Because just looking at the objective facts here, the DCCC is actively suppressing progressive primary challengers is actively suppressing groups that help progressives in general. AOC won her race because she challenged somebody who was part of the Democratic establishment. So why would she be helping the DCCC instead of trying to help the voters, which is her aim, help the voters, and help the voters through supporting progressive candidates and progressive primary challengers? Like, this is just what a good politician should be doing if you actually care about fighting for people. All right. A few stories left. Let me get to some super chats first. Uh, J-Rocks says, I'm homesick. David, please say, quote, Bernie is going to release the Kraken in Gorka voice or Shapiro voice. You haven't made fun of them in forever. Um, I can't I can't do impressions unless I just hear them speak in front of me like before I do it. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not really good at impressions, really, because um, I can't internalize them. Uh, but I'll Gorka, I'm never I'm I don't see any reason to probably ever cover Gorka again. But um, Shapiro, I'm sure I'll do Shapiro at some point. Um, I mean, from memory, it's just kind of like, it's like this. I'm Shapiro, Ben Shapiro. Hi. Hi, guys. Like, <laughs> that's like it's just like a high person's voice. It's not even necessarily Shapiro impression, um, but people seem to like it. Gorka, I, I got to see him in front of me. I definitely can't do that impression. Um, Renato Howard says, have you been watching? Uh, sorry, have been watching you for a while. Thank you for your honest and thorough critiques of our a presidential race. No problem. Thank you, Renato. Uh, Fabrice is back, says, I think that Bernie winning Iowa and New Hampshire is the most important thing. It will show voters that Bernie can win against Trump. I think it would give him the path to victory. I'd wait till Super Tuesday. I mean, yes, winning Iowa and New Hampshire obviously would be great. Um, but see how he does in Nevada. I'm curious how he would do in, in South Carolina if he were to win the first few states. Uh, and then Super Tuesday with California, man, if he grabs California, delegate rich California, um, then it's off to the races. Uh, Taria says, thank you for all your honest opinions. This channel was the first I have ever donated to last, um, donated to last. <laughs> I'm bad at reading other people's, uh, sentences, but, uh, says, love your work. Thank you. Thank you so much, Taria. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, Steve Prefontaine says it rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Mayor Pete, private meeting. <laughs> what? 
It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. I don't know what this is. Uh, but thank you, Steve. Thank you for your support. You guys crack me up. All right. Let's get to the next story. This is a fun one because I get to sit back <laughs> and watch a whole bunch of awesome endorsements that Bernie Sanders received this, this week. So, got to prep these links. So Bernie Sanders has been picking up a ton of endorsements. Last week on my live stream, I discussed how the Sunrise Movement recently endorsed Bernie Sanders. And uh, this week, there was a whole new round of endorsements. And to be honest with you, I don't even think this is everything, but this is uh, at least several of them. So let me show you first here, uh, Danny DeVito, his endorsement of Bernie Sanders. It means the world to me to be on Bernie's side because I know that's the right side of history. He's the guy to do it. He is the man to beat Trump. He is the man to change our whole system. Hey, thanks so much. He's been doing this for so long that it's like second nature to him. I feel... He's going to take care of the country and not only our country, He's got his eye on everybody else in the world, too. This system obviously doesn't work as it is, and we have to change it. We're going to fix ourselves, and then we're going to be an example, the shining example that we should be. The skies are becoming clear, and when the skies clear up, what's standing there is the person who is the one who's been there forever, saying the same thing, fighting for the people, and that is Bernie Sanders. This is one thing we have to understand. We can't expect Bernie to do this alone. We have to be in there with him every step of the way. Awesome. What a great endorsement. Danny DeVito is the man. So, such a great guy. Um, let me show you the... Uh, also, I just to go off his last point there, he's 100% correct. Bernie Sanders, as he says himself over and over again, even if he becomes president, he's not going to get this stuff done without the movement behind him, which is, I mean, really, in some ways you could say he's, I mean, in many ways, <laughs> you could say he's the only uh, the only honest guy running for president because he is aware that it takes a mass movement of people for real change to happen. Let me go to the next endorsement here that I want to share. Nevada's largest teachers union is endorsing Bernie Sanders. Uh, let me scroll down and read the first couple paragraphs. Actually, zoom in here. So, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders won the endorsement of an influential teachers union in Nevada on Tuesday morning, a key sign of support in the early voting state where unions have significant political power. Quote, we appreciated that Senator Sanders came to us, very much reached out to us, and wanted to speak to us, Clark County Education Association President Vicki Courtney told BuzzFeed News on Monday night. Sanders was the clear leader in a recent straw poll of union members, she said, which was a major factor in the decision. The union represents 19,000 teachers and other educators in Las Vegas and, uh, and is the largest teachers union in Nevada. The Clark County School District is the fifth largest school district in the country. Huge endorsement right here 
um, from an influential group in Nevada. The next endorsement. So this came at the end of last week, but I haven't discussed it yet. Um, but I want to share this because I think this is also a, a great endorsement. Hi, I'm Emily Ratajkowski, and I'm endorsing Bernie Sanders for president. I'm 28. I'm a millennial, a true millennial. You know, I think one of the things that's so interesting about young people supporting Bernie Sanders is that he's not like a young, sexy candidate. What he says speaks so much to what people want that sort of who he is, it's so much beyond just one man. Bernie is extremely genuine, he's consistent, he's powerful, not because of who he is as one person, but because of the way that he invigorates people and excites them and brings together this movement. So when Bernie sort of popped up on the radar as this guy who had been arrested in the 60s and had been consistent in his policies, not only has he always advocated for healthcare, he's also always been on the right side as far as civil and humanitarian issues. Who is going to be speaking out for people who need someone to speak out for them? It just was like, this is our man. Women in this country have so much to lose as far as health care. This is a potential moment in the Supreme Court where Roe v. Wade could be overturned. So whoever's going to be our next Supreme Court justice will be up to the next president in the next four years. So it's very important to have someone who advocates for women's rights in position of power. Too many women have fought for too many years to make sure that women control their bodies, not the government. We're not going back. Bernie has always been very clear about how he advocates for women's health care, which is hugely important to me. I understand why sometimes it doesn't feel appealing to vote. And I think that's really important to talk about because a lot of people are like, how could people not vote? What's wrong with them? And I think it's, you know, comes down to the fact that there aren't often candidates that represent the change that you want to see. They don't represent what you want for yourself. So it feels so distant and sort of unimportant. That's not the case in this election. There's so much at stake here. And getting out to vote, your one vote makes a change. We will regret it forever if we don't take this opportunity to join this movement. So there you go. And I think this represents the diversity in the support for Bernie Sanders. It's important to have this kind of uh, diversity in support, diversity in you know the issues that certain people care about, uh, diversity in terms of where the, the actual support, where the endorsements are coming from, because this is a mass movement of people. So some people, you know, maybe their one issue they care about is, is health care. So they support Bernie because Medicare for all. Maybe for someone else like Emily Ratajkowski, it's, it's women's issues. So it's important to, to understand that when, especially when discussing uh, Bernie Sanders and your support of him with other people in your lives. Because you want to be able to communicate that this isn't just about one or two things. This is about a mass movement of people that are all supporting each other. Even if, you know, Bernie has mentioned at his rallies, you know, even if you have health, uh, great health care, um, are you going to fight for people that don't have health care? So that, that idea is what this movement is about. Even if you aren't suffering from whatever issue that someone else may be suffering from, you are willing to fight for them and they're willing to fight for you on your issue. So it's really about, uh, you know, solidarity around, basically around people and, and really caring for one another. Now, let me play this next endorsement, which is, uh, is, uh, an, is an important endorsement. This is uh, Representative Mark Pocan of uh, Wisconsin. So Wisconsin... Uh, Sanders won that state in the primary in 2016 uh, against Hillary Clinton. 
Hillary went on to lose it to Donald Trump. So knowing that context, watch uh, this video. I don't know if you know it, but you won 71 of the 72 counties. What happened to that 72nd? <laughs> you got 48%. All right. I am very excited today to make a wonderful announcement for our campaign. Congressman Mark Buchan of Wisconsin is here to announce his support uh, for our campaign, and we're just very, very proud. Mark is going to be the chair of our Wisconsin uh, campaign. Mark, how are we going to do in Wisconsin in 2020? You know, unfortunately, we were embarrassed. Uh, Donald Trump won Wisconsin by 23,000 votes. But our problem was we had a big drop off in Democratic voters. About 250,000 Democrats that normally come out didn't come out. And the problem was they weren't mobilized and they weren't excited and invigorated. We share values, right? Those populist progressive values are so important and more importantly, so do the American people. Poll after poll after poll, people support Medicare for all. They support the Green New Deal. They support us not getting involved in a bunch of military interventions around the world. And because of that, that's why you did so well, I think, in Wisconsin. You have always spoken truth to power. You know, your message on trade, Uh, alone. I grew up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. 14,000 people out of 70,000 made cars when I was growing up. No one does today. There's an Amazon distribution center that was advertising last time I was there up to $12.75 an hour. Your parents made that three decades ago and that's what people are making now without uh, good family supporting benefits as well. People wanted change and Donald Trump lied to them uh, during the election, said he would bring them jobs and he didn't do any of that. Your position around working families and making sure that you can lift wages and have good family supporting jobs. Absolutely. We're desperate for that. In Look, together, you know what? We're going to beat Trump badly in Wisconsin. You getting those voters back, the fact that the three out of four young voters came out and voted for you, having that turnout come back, Wisconsin will be in the blue column. Well, let's go forward together. Absolutely. Another fantastic, important, great endorsement. I mean, this really shows you, like, look. Support from other politicians, national politicians, generally isn't all that important. Um, even a, even support like this, like it's it's unclear how much sway he's actually going to have. But what what uh, Mark Pican is doing here is he is he is being what he is supposed to be, a representative of his people. So Wisconsin heavily favored Bernie Sanders over Hillary Clinton, and then she lost the state to Donald Trump. So the only smart thing to do as somebody who is a representative in that state is to support the candidate that his state loves. So this is how you do it. Uh, so Mark McCann doing a or, or engaging in a you know important um, a video here and in, in endorsement. Let me go to the last one. Dr. Cornell West. So we all know he supported Bernie Sanders already, but this is, I guess, his official endorsement video. And uh, Cornell West here explains why Bernie beats Donald Trump. You want double clap or just one? I get rhythmic up here. Bernie Sanders is the Democratic candidate who can actually beat a gangster in the White House named Donald Trump. You have to have enthusiasm, energy to counter the escalating neo-fascist energy and enthusiasm of a Donald Trump with all the xenophobia, with all the talk about working people, but very much tied to big military, very much tied to big big money. That's Donald Trump. Bernie Sanders has backbone. That's what it is to have integrity. You see, that's what it is to have courage and conviction and commitment and that consistency over time and space. Oh, there he is. That's what I'm talking about. 
He's the one I'm talking about. Bernie Sanders in the house. Bernie, 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 Bernie. He's tied to a moral and political solidarity with poor and working people. That cuts so much deeper. See, what I love about this brother is not that he's a god, not that he's a deity, he's a human being trying to be morally consistent and bear witness in such a way that he can bring us together and change this nation. He's an unprecedented candidate in American history. He reminds me in some ways of of what Brother Martin Luther King Jr. had to deal with in the 60s. When you, when you have a certain commitment to fighting against racism, militarism, materialism, and poverty, fighting against wealth inequality, trying to ensure the ecological catastrophe is held at bay by the kind of new green policies and so forth, that uh, you get targeted. So you get the kind of uh, media blackouts and, or whiteouts, whatever you want to call it. They're fearful. They're fearful because uh, Bernie Sanders, his political revolution, morally based, ethically based, is a fundamental challenge to their interests and their status. And let's be very clear, the Democratic Party right now lives in the age of Bernie Sanders. It's just a great joy to be with my dear brother Bernie Sanders, who is exemplar of the longevity of integrity, the longevity of consistency when it comes to poor and working people. My name is Brother Cornell West, and I have been a freedom fighter for the last 50 years, and I have a smile to be in solidarity with my dear brother Bernie Sanders. Awesome. So, uh, can't get much better than that. <laughs> Cornell West is one of my favorite people uh, in politics. All right, so you see these endorsements, and um, look, I, I don't want to get my hopes up. <laughs> I don't want to get your hopes up because it's important to understand none of this happens unless you are, unless you continue to be engaged in this process and and support candidates um, or support Bernie Sanders in this race, uh, and you know discuss your support of him and you know door knock, phone bank, volunteer, uh, donate. All that matters, of course. Make sure you're registered to vote. Get people in your in your lives that support Bernie. Register to vote. Like all that has to happen for any of this to happen. But seeing these sorts of endorsements, especially someone like Mark Pocan, like endorsements like this, begin to line up behind Bernie Sanders now. He has some of this support that he didn't have at the beginning of 2016. So in 2016, he was kind of just beginning to almost fall in to the nomination as opposed to now where he's had like this three-year four-year buildup to this point and all the pieces are falling into place and this is just the beginning of it and in two weeks we're going to see with iowa then then uh, new hampshire and it's going to go on and on and on we're going to see um if being you know if this if the building of this movement over the past uh four three years has really helped to put bernie into a better position this time around than he was uh, in 2016. So I have high hopes, but again, it's important. Stay engaged and make sure you get out there and vote. Uh, Tarya said, I donated for the first time last week. Awesome. Thank you. To me or to Bernie? Either way, thank you. <laughs> uh, Dwayne Bramble says, Hi, David. I hope your show keeps growing to the point of 
taking uh taking call in the future uh love the fans too taking calls is what you mean um i would uh, you know what i would be open to that uh i so when i hosted a radio show for about i don't know three weeks um no it wasn't three weeks what am i saying like three months um i took calls in that show and it's 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 fun those calls though like (laughs) when you host am radio the people that listen to am radio are uh not used to hearing somebody say what i was saying (laughs) on the radio so you really get some people who are just you know they're lost souls um so i would hope you know taking calls on a show like this would be a little uh a little more intelligent, a little more something to, to you know, uh, put my teeth into. But um, yeah, at some point, if I figure it out, and you know, if I can hire people to help with the show, then uh, it's definitely possible. Shelby Hall uh, says super chat saying I just made a monthly recurring uh, donation to AOC's new pack, so my super chat for you is smaller today. Sorry, <laughs> no worries. Um, FYI, my 66 year old mom is watching you daily now. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, I, th- that's good. That's good. Um, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed by like the the wide demographics that I have. <laughs> just not not something I, I expect, but I love to see it. Uh, Mateus N says, "I just want to say hi, David. Hi to you. Thank you for your super chat." Uh, is Mark, or I Z Mark says, "I had a yard sale for Bernie and gave." Uh, gave one half almost a hundred dollars got junk try it too love the show david kicks butt thank you i don't think i read your your message right but um i had a yards i had a yard sale for bernie and gave half oh you had a yard sale for bernie and gave half the money to the campaign that's amazing um that's a great idea awesome uh thank you mark um alexandros Pat Sikos says, I'm Greek. Never would have guessed. <laughs> I'm Greek. And I have my eyes on this race for uh, the same reason as you. And DeVito pointed out, his presidency will influence the whole world. This is a global fight. 100%. This is why I am so engaged in this fight and in supporting Bernie Sanders, because we need a world leader. Um, I would I would argue that a Bernie Sanders presidency would have more of a positive impact on Canada, for example, um, then an NDP government, uh, at least an NDP minority government would. <laughs> so, um, just because of the, the way that someone like Bernie Sanders, a, a, you know, a global leader can change how politics is done globally. So, you know, the impact that the U S has, or the, the influence that the U S has with the IMF and the world bank, uh, the world bank and the global South, um, in addition to just changing the conversation, and uh, yeah, like, for example, I mean, if if Medicare for all passes and Americans have uh, dental care guaranteed to them, it will be pretty quick for Canadians to get dental care, too, because we don't have universal dental care. We have universal health care, but it doesn't cover dental in addition to other aspects as well. So, I mean, if you get Medicare for all and you have dental care and Canada doesn't, <laughs> You got to bet that every other party running in the next election in Canada is going to be supporting universal dental care because Canadians will be like, how the hell does America have this now? And we don't. So, I mean, that's just one example. But um, 
the influence that that America has globally uh, can't be ignored. Uh, Rob Dom says, Vice President West. That'd be cool. Um, But there has to be gender diversity on the ticket. It can't just be two men. That's my thought. Um, And there are like Nina Turner is an obvious choice. Uh, Rashida Tlaib, obvious choice. Uh, Barbara Lee, potential choice. Like there are people, there are, you know, women that you can pick to be vice president. That would be great. All right. Let me, uh, should I take these now? No, I'll wait. Let me get to the next story first and then I'll finish more super chats. So according to a new report in the Daily Beast, Donald Trump is freaking out about the popularity of Bernie Sanders. So let me show you this story and read a bit from it because it is, it's pretty much what you would expect, I think. I mean, I expected this. Uh, I didn't expect a report about it, but Donald Trump is definitely able to tune in to, you know, how people feel about certain issues, which is part of the reason he was able to defeat Hillary Clinton in, in 2016. Let me show you this story um, that really, I mean, paints a picture why Bernie Sanders is the best candidate to go up against Donald Trump. So Trump here, from again, Daily Beast, Trump privately obsessed with uh, Bernie Sanders' popularity and socialism's appeal. So this is a recent report here from the 15th. In public, President Donald Trump has fixated on mocking Bernie Sanders as crazy and has focused on assuring supporters of how badly he crushed the left-wing senator in a general election and protect them from Sanders' creeping socialism. In private, Trump has often expressed different worries about the 2020 candidate. In the past two months, the president has repeatedly asked advisors in and out of the White House about how Sanders polls or would likely perform in critical battle, uh, battleground states, specifically Pennsylvania, according to two people who've independently heard him ask about it. At times, Trump has asked about Sanders' prospects, even in the absence of a current public or internal poll on the matter. It's hardly the first time Trump has talked to his friends uh, and top lieutenants about Sanders' potential formidability heading into an election year. Let me just see what this link... This may link to the previous, the previous story on this that I shared, I think, recently. Maybe last week I shared this. Uh, oh... Reached my free article limit. Never mind. <laughs> but um, basically, there was a report back in September where Daily Beast was reporting similar things about uh, what Trump was feeling, uh, his worry about Bernie Sanders. Uh, but it goes on to say here, as the Daily Beast reported last year, Trump had on multiple occasions told longtime associates and Republican donors that running against socialism in 2020 may not be so easy due to its populist appeal. At a private event with donors late last year, the president said, according to a source in the room, that, quote, you can have someone who loves Trump, but many people love free stuff, too, adding that if Sanders or other socialist candidates promise U.S. voters, particularly young voters, that they will cancel their debts, quote, that's a tough one to run against. Just a bit more here. Uh, but at Tuesday's uh, Tuesday night's rally in Milwaukee, the president st- uh, struck, sorry, stuck to the crowd pleasers when it came to Sanders. Quote, Bernie is surging. Bernie is surging, Trump said, eliciting lusty boos from the audience. In several recent surveys, including the Des Moines Register poll, uh, one of the few released out of the first caucus state uh, in the lead up to the February 3rd event, 
Sanders came out on top. In New Hampshire, he's also been leading neighboring state contender for weeks. Trump also couldn't resist referencing Elizabeth Warren's uh, claim this week that Sanders told her a woman couldn't defeat Trump in 2020. Quote, I don't believe Bernie said that, said Trump. (laughs) All right. Uh, One of the few things that Trump is is right about. I just want to share this tweet here. So Rebecca Ballhouse, who I assume is a reporter, um, said a protester who was just escorted out of Trump's Milwaukee rally threw his sign into the press pen. Trump fears Bernie. A hundred percent. So, man, like, I tell you again and again why Bernie is the best candidate to go up against uh, Donald Trump. And Donald Trump appears to be aware of this. Bernie's able to appeal to the people that didn't come out in 2016 for Hillary Clinton. The typical non-voters. The progressive independents. Young people. That's how you win an election against Donald Trump. The people that came out in, t- in 2016 for Hillary Clinton are going to come out in 2020 anyways to vote against Donald Trump, regardless of the Democratic candidate. So those Democratic voters are going to come out regardless. The people you need to get are the people that did not come out in 2016. And the only person, the only candidate that appeals to those people is Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden doesn't have any appeal with young people. His lowest polling is with young people. The only reason Biden is still in first or second in uh, in, in polling uh, in this race is because Biden has a lot of strong support from older voters uh, that are, you know, typical voters for the Democratic Party. And a lot of polling is based on your standard voter. They don't look too often at, at people that don't vote because it's hard to track people who don't vote. So they track people who normally vote. And a lot of those people skew older that's just the way it is so they support joe biden for the most part um again there's a lot of older support for bernie sanders of course but joe biden is only staying in this race because of his support from older voters bernie sanders has cross appeal so he appeals to older voters as well not as much as joe biden maybe but he he has appeal for older voters but the young people the people that you need to get out in a general election that's where bernie's support is and you bring those people out that didn't come out in 2016 if bernie's on the ticket like, that's the electability case alone. And it bothers me a ton that they don't make this case enough. I don't know how, like, how did the Bernie Sanders campaign not think on this, in the, the recent debate, the Iowa debate, that they should have ended on this point? Like, Bernie ended on some other messaging, which was fine. It was kind of standard Bernie Sanders. But he has to make the electability case because a lot of voters are being misinformed by the mainstream press. They're being told that a moderate, you need a moderate to win against Donald Trump. Even though Hillary Clinton was the moderate and she lost in 2016, you don't win by reaching out to conservative voters. Conservative voters are not going to vote for the Democratic candidate regardless. You have to reach out to the typical non-voter. So Bernie has to make that case. He should have made that case at the debate, but in the next debate, he has to make that case. In every single debate going forward, he has to make the electability case. Because there are a lot of people out there that only support Joe Biden because they're being told that Biden's the best to defeat Donald Trump when that's not true. Just like a lot of people supported Hillary Clinton because they thought that she was the best to defeat Donald Trump. Not true. Or defeat the Republican, whoever it was. Not true. Bernie Sanders brings out the people you need to defeat Donald Trump. All right, one more story. 
and this isn't even really going to be a story. It's going to be a series of polls that I have not double-checked. So let me um, briefly look over them here. Let me grab some Super Chats first. I'll actually, let me grab three that I had up here earlier. Um, Jeremy Driscoll says, uh, generous Super Chat says, do you think the mainstream media will line up behind Bernie if he wins a nomination like Fox did for Trump? Or will they continue sabotaging him because Trump is better for their bottom line? That's a great question. And I don't know the answer because it kind of depends if, you know, an idiot like Michael Bloomberg thinks he can be a third party spoiler. Um, so I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, it's, it's almost kind of, it's going to. It's going to kind of depend on where the rest of the Democratic Party is. Like, because MSNBC generally is a mouthpiece for the Democratic establishment. So if they're, if the Democratic Party as a whole kind of resigns to the fact that I guess it's going to be Bernie, then you're going to see mainstream media or at least, you know, MSNBC uh, kind of hop on board in in a sense. Um, I don't know if they're going to be, you know, Bernie bros, (laughs) for lack of a better term. But they're going to have to acknowledge reality that you can't have four more years of Donald Trump. Um, And you're already seeing, you know, to be super fair to Morning Joe, you're already seeing them acknowledge that Bernie could defeat Trump. I've seen Joe Scarborough now multiple times say Bernie would do well against Donald Trump because Bernie is able to appeal to working class voters. Uh, He wasn't saying that. Morning Joe wasn't saying that two years ago, but he's saying that now. So if they're already admitting this, it's going to be hard to backtrack if he wins a nomination. Um, so I don't know. Uh, but I hope. And, you know, in some way, you could almost think maybe they would try to cozy up to the Bernie campaign, cozy up to Bernie Sanders by treating him properly, objectively, in the race uh, against Donald Trump. So maybe in that sense, they have some incentive to try to be a little more objective about his campaign than they have been. But at this point, it's all predictions, so it's it's really hard to know how uh, they'd react to that. Kamori Amy says, uh, what do you think will be the aftermath of Warren's filthy attack? Will this affect Iowa for the Sanders campaign? Well, the first poll out that I'm going to get to in a minute here, um, at least the first national poll, is showing that Bernie is up since the debate and Biden's down and Warren's down. So it hasn't appeared to hurt him, at least uh, in a national poll. We'll see about Iowa. You know, worst case scenario, uh, it helps Joe Biden. I don't think it's really going to help Elizabeth Warren. Um, but people may see, oh, Bernie and Sanders, Sanders and, and Warren are fighting. Uh, they're a distraction. I'm going to support Joe Biden. That may be the case for some people. But ultimately, I don't even know if it's going to have much of an impact at all. Uh, so, again, it's, it's kind of hard to predict because... People don't always act rationally, so it's, it's really hard to know. Uh, and uh, last super chat here before I go to the story. Brenda Triplett says, progressives are the only ones who have uh, consistently fought against social injustices and inequalities in this country. Boomer for Bernie. Awesome. Thank you, Brenda. Um, I love it. All right. Let me get to the polling, which is looking pretty, pretty good. To uh, quote Larry David, I've been watching a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, recently. The new season starts this weekend, I think. Um, 
these are some good pulls. So after the debate, Bernie Sanders is now leading nationally in a poll. And this is just one of many polls. So I'm going to show you a number of polls here over the week. And just in general, the Bernie Sanders campaign is surging. Now, not all of these polls were taken after the debate. Um, and it's, you know, it's whose guess as to how much of an impact the debate actually had on any on, on this poll or, or any poll in general. Um, but point being, the Bernie Sanders campaign right now is in a really good position heading into Iowa. So let me go through a number of polls that I collected over the course of this week. <clears throat> so here we go. This is the uh, post-debate Reuters-Ipsis poll. Um, Bernie is at 20%. Biden down four, now in second place at 19. Warren down three, third place, 12%. Bloomberg plus one, 9%. Pete minus one at 6%. Um, so Bloomberg right now nationally has actually, uh, uh, higher than Pete Buttigieg. Um, but really the, the actual race going on here is Bernie and Biden, where Bernie has taken the lead nationally in this Reuters Ipsos poll. Um, also, I guess the point worth mentioning here, Bernie Sanders leads Elizabeth Warren among women, 15% to 11%. So there you go. Um, by the way, cancel Sam here on Twitter. Great follow. Check him out. Next poll, California. So this is a, uh, a PPIC, Public Policy Institute of California poll. Sanders is plus 10 since last month in this poll. He's at 27% in first over Joe Biden, who stays at 24%. Warren stays at 23%. Buttigieg down one at 6%. Klobuchar 4%, up 3 Yang uh, down to at 3%. So Bernie Sanders, here comes Bernie in California. A number of California polls now have Bernie Sanders in the lead there. And that is a incredibly delegate rich state. So it's a very important state to win. And it's a votes on Super Tuesday. Next one, Florida, Sanders. So th this is our, this is our uh, uh, matchup polls. So Sanders against Trump. Uh, in Florida, plus six. So when you're talking about electability, polls like this matter a lot. Bernie is a plus six over Trump in Florida. Biden, only a plus two. Warren, only a plus two. Buttigieg, ties. Trump in Florida. So the electability case is the most important case to make right now because that is why a lot of people are supporting other candidates because they're being told by the mainstream press that Bernie can't win. But the mainstream press aren't sharing polls like this. The mainstream press isn't bringing up the fact that Hillary Clinton lost in 2016 trying to reach out to conservative voters, that Bernie Sanders, his base, young people, typical non-voters, independents, those are the people you need to come out in a general election against Donald Trump. The typical Democratic voter that came out in 2016 going to come out anyways against Donald Trump. So you need to bring out people that did not vote in 2016. That's the Bernie Sanders base. That's how you defeat Donald Trump. And when you see polls like this where he's leading in Florida, it means a lot. Checking this one. New Emerson, uh, New Hampshire poll. Bernie in the lead, five points ahead of Buttigieg. So Buttigieg, you may be wondering, how the hell is Buttigieg in second here? 
Buttigieg has been pouring a ton of money into uh, television ads in Iowa and New Hampshire. So he's trying to compete in those early states, betting everything on the early states uh, to try and make something out of his campaign to try and potentially give him momentum going into future states. So that's why he's pulling even anywhere close here. But um, still, you got Bernie five points ahead of Buttigieg. Biden and Warren, not even at 15%. So you need 15% to, to get delegates. They aren't even there in this poll, this Emerson poll. So showing you right now where the power is. Let's go to the next poll. This is a national democratic primary among college students. So keeping in mind, this is mostly younger people. Sanders, 41%. <laughs> Almost doubles Elizabeth Warren's support here. Yang, 12%. Biden, 8%. Again, we're talking about electability. Biden's not going to bring out young people in a general election. You want electability? There's your electability right here. Bernie Sanders brings out the young people, the people that did not come out in 2016. That's how you win against Donald Trump. Next one here. This tweet from Sean King. Take a look at registered black Democrats, 35 and under. So Bernie, holy moly. Um, Bernie, 42% with black voters under 35. Biden's in second at 30%. Then you got, wow, huge drop off here. Uh, Elizabeth Warren. I mean, there's still a drop off here. So Bernie is 12 points over Biden here. But even this drop off is crazy. Elizabeth Warren, 6%. Andrew Yang, 5. Cory Booker, 3. And everyone else at 1%. So again, voter turnout. Again, showing you with Bernie Sanders. This is a Vice News Ipsos poll. Um, African American uh, voters um, in general. So Sanders, 56%. Over Joe Biden's 54%. So the African American vote has been Joe Biden's firewall. This is why he has, this is why he's still polling in the top three for the most part, um, because he has a lot of support from the African American community. That appears to be changing. Now that more and more people are seeing that Bernie actually has a shot at winning this, his support is growing. So this is a, an important poll for sure. Let's go to. So also off the Vice News Ipsos poll, among Hispanics who they consider voting for, Bernie Sanders in the lead as well, 10 points above Joe Biden, and then uh, drops off from there. So again, looking at electability, there's your electability. So these, all these polls, like all the evidence is showing you who can win this thing. The evidence is on the side of Bernie Sanders and not even just win the nomination, but win the actual general election because he has the support where it matters. He has the support with young people, with Hispanics, with African-Americans. You need people that did not come out for Hillary Clinton in 2016. You need those people to come out and vote in 2020. Bernie gets those people. So you want electability? You have it with Bernie Sanders. This was fun. <laughs> Started off a little tired, but you know, still dealing with this back. But um, that was good. Let's get to uh, let's get to. I saved this Buttigieg clip. Um, 
let me just play this. I don't know how much of a story I'm going to make out of this, but um, let me just do this last story really quickly. Like, the thing with Buttigieg is, like, I almost don't want to give the guy oxygen because he's not... I don't think he really has much support apart from the first two states, and that's just based on TV ad revenue or TV uh, advertising. But um, this is funny enough that I want to cover. <laughs> so the New York Times recently uh, interviewed Pete Buttigieg. Now, I want to show you this clip because this is just... I think it speaks for itself in terms of uh, Buttigieg and how dishonest this man is. You've been on the front lines of corporate downsizing. You've been on the front lines of corporate price fixing. You've been on the front whoa, lines whoa, whoa. That's, that's, of, our, that's, of our misadventures I'm sorry, that's... of our misadventures in foreign policy. You've had direct experience of many of the things that make a lot of young people very angry about the way that this country uh, is operating right now. You don't seem to embody that anger. So the proposition that I've been on the front lines of corporate price fixing is just to get that out of the way. You worked um, for a company that was fixing bread prices. Uh, no. I worked for a consulting company that had a client that may have been involved in fixing, <laughs> or was apparently in a scandal. I was not aware of the Canadian uh, bread pricing scandal until last night. You've been on the front lines of corporate like, downside. Look how he answers that. <laughs> like, let's watch this one more time, because this is amazing. A company that was fixing bread prices. Uh... No. I worked for a consulting company that had a client that may have been involved in fixing or... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the point. Like, it's... <laughs> he's like, he answers the question by just confirming what the guy just said. Uh, people to judge with his history at McKinsey clearly did a lot of horrible work. I, I don't know if he is directly involved in the bread price-fixing scandal. This was a thing that happened in Canada. Um, dealt with... Uh, actually, let me bring up... Let me bring up the link here. Um, so, story from McLean's. Loblaws price-fixing may have cost you at least $400. Uh, any way you slice it, Canadian bread shouldn't have cost this much. Uh, let me read a little piece of this. As McLean's noted last month, from 2001 to 2015, the consumer price index for bread rose dramatically more than did the average for all food prices. In addition to tracking bread for the key inflation measure, Statistics Canada also reports the monthly average price for a loaf of bread. The loaf that cost you $1.42 in July 2001 was three dollars and four cents in March 2015, more than double uh, the ahem dough. <laughs> uh, Kevin Greer, a food market analyst based in Ontario, measured what bread should have cost if it rose in tandem with overall food price inflation. By 2015, there's a one dollar gap between the real price and Greer's price. If a family buys one bagged bread per week for a year, that's a $52 difference, uh, a lot when you compare it to the $25 gift cards Loblaws has offered as their mea culpa for 14 years of fixing prices. The average price gap from 2002 to 2014 was $0.55, cents, Greer says. 
or that one loaf per week over that period may have uh, plumped up a grocery bill by $371.80. So it's unclear um, if Buttigieg had a role in this specifically, but this was the kind of thing he was involved with. So look, a lot of people out of college take jobs that they don't like. Um, and maybe jobs like this where they actively did bad things. But the way to respond to this is not to deny, 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 deny. It's to say, yeah, I was 26 years old. I, you know, just finished university. Um, I had this job offer. It sounded interesting. Uh, and I took the job. And now looking back, clearly, we did a lot of things that we shouldn't have done. I was involved in work that I shouldn't have done. And move on from there. Say I've learned, I've changed. This is why I support this policy. This policy, uh, you know, I don't, I don't support what I did back then. We make mistakes in our lives. This is a mistake. If he just did that, I really think most people wouldn't hold him to this. They would think, okay, he's, I mean, he, he's admitted that he did horrible work. He's uh, changed, and he has now committed himself to, you know, uh, fighting for people. But because he hasn't shown that, <laughs> I mean, he hasn't shown a commitment to fighting for people, and. He hasn't admitted to the mistakes that he has made in the past and working for McKinsey and doing work like this, then how can you possibly trust Pete Buttigieg to fight for you when he's denying these obvious kinds of things, that the kind of work that he was involved in when he was younger? Like, to, for politicians to act like they had perfect lives, they never did anything wrong, like, it's so completely dishonest. That's why when you have someone like Bernie Sanders, who is just has been authentically Bernie Sanders for 40 years, I mean, you you know who the man is. He's fought for the same thing the entire time. He he was fighting for issues when nobody was paying attention. So you have a candidate like that who actually has a track record you can look at and someone who's going to admit when they made a mistake. I mean, Bernie Sanders admits his vote on, on the war in Afghanistan was a mistake. Only Barbara Lee voted against that war. He admitted on a debate stage, yeah, he made a mistake. Like, people respect that. People respect you when you can uh, admit that you made a mistake. So for people like, for politicians like Pete Buttigieg to not be able to admit that, I think it tells you everything about who that politician is. All right, now let's get to the rest of the Super Chats. While I fix my posture, I gotta do like these stretches now with my back. <laughs> I can't do them here on a chair, but it's getting a little better. It's getting a little better. All right, where was I? So I ended on I ended on a Brenda Brenda super chat. Uh, Maria S Silva says, you a handsome dude with handsome tudes. <laughs> I share your videos with my parents all the time, trying to get them to feel the burn. Awesome. Thank you, Maria. Thank you for the compliment. And thank you for sharing the videos. That is uh, definitely important in uh, helping to change minds. Rob Dom sends a super chat saying, gender diversity, he'd be the first black VP ever. I guess. <laughs> but I hear you, but you could have Nina Turner and, uh, you know, I think the case makes itself. Uh, Tyler Petre. Uh, then again, look, Cornell West is friggin' awesome. I hope he, he would be in 
in uh, you know a Bernie cabinet, a, a Bernie administration somewhere. Um, I just don't know if VP is the right position for him. But uh, no, I mean, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Nina Turner is my first choice. Then you got Rashida Tlaib, Barbara Lee. I'm sure there are other good VP choices, but those are my top three. Uh, Tyler Petre says, uh, what, uh, what would you take? Only one, universal pharma or dental in Canada. I would take uh, dental care. Pharmacare, um, so I, I, I haven't been in the position where uh, pharmaceuticals have been so expensive for me that I can't afford it. Like generally, pharmaceuticals in Canada are are more affordable here than in America. Like for example, insulin, the price of insulin is 10 times uh, in America, it's 10 times more than in Canada. So generally, like when I, when I've had to pay for prescriptions, it's been like 20 bucks. Like it really is not much. And I'm talking like 20 bucks for all I need for like a, a bottle of pills for a month. Um, so, but that's my experience, right? So other people have had different experiences where, you know, it's actually a serious issue where they can't afford uh, their pharmaceuticals and it's something that they, they really need. But, um, because, because dental, I think, should be inherently a part of healthcare. Uh, I just, I think, it makes sense to guarantee dental for everyone. And dental care is more expensive, generally, I think, than most people have to pay for pharmaceuticals. So I would say universal dental care. But we'll have to wait and see if that ever comes. Luna Cosmos ninety says, uh, remind. California, we vote March 3rd, 2020 on new voting machines. All right, there you go. Um, which also, I should remind you, register as a Democrat if you're in California. There's apparently been some weirdness with um, registrations that aren't Democratic registrations. I don't know. I was seeing some headlines about that. Just be safe. Like, I, I know people are going to think like, oh, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not going to vote. Uh, I'm not going to register as, as a Democrat. But if you want Sanders to win, <laughs> like, just do it. Just do it for this race. Do it for this year. Switch back afterwards. But for this year, regardless of state, even if you're not in California, like register as a Democrat just to make sure there's there's no issues when you go to vote uh, in the primary or uh, in the caucus. So I think it just makes sense to be safe there. Um, Liz uh, Beesmere, I never know if I say your name right. I'm sorry. But uh, Liz says, did you see the Trump tweet from today on Bernie? Um, let me check it out. I feel like I, I feel like I did, but I'm not positive. I'll do a quick search. I might as well search it with you people. Are Donald Trump's tweets for today? They are rigging the election again against Bernie Sanders, just like last time, only even more obviously. <laughs> they are bringing him out uh, of so important Iowa in... Oh, I think someone else referenced this. They are bringing him out in so important Iowa in order to... Uh, in order that, as a senator, he sit through the impeachment hoax trial. Crazy Nancy thereby gives the strong edge to sleepy Joe Biden and Bernie is shut out again. Very unfair. But that's Trump's trying to 
Trump's obviously trying to divide voters. Like, that's what he's trying to do here. He's trying to um, create some drama and take focus away from the fact that he's a criminal. So I discussed this earlier in the stream because someone else brought this up. I don't think this is really going to hurt Bernie. People, voters generally know, especially voters in Iowa right now who are really engaged in the process because they're about to vote. They know there's an impeachment going on. They know that Bernie Sanders has to be a part of that. Why is that going to hurt him? So he has incredible surrogates uh, like Nina Turner, uh, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Cornell West, Danny DeVito. I mean, he has a ton of incredible people backing him that will be making the rounds and be able to get crowds uh, in support of this, this race. So I'm not worried about this. Um, Rolf Ganger says, do you think there is any chance at all that Canada is not going to approve the USMCA? Seems like our only hope of stopping it at this point. I think Canada is going to approve it. I, I, it, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any opposition here. So I, no, I think they'll, they'll pass it. Uh, Lee says, have you checked out this Bernie ad? Well, let me see. Yes, I did. I did a video on it yesterday. Um, so let me here. Why don't I just keep this up to make everything easier? Um, I covered this yesterday. Just show you where I covered it. Especially <clears throat> right now. There's me before the it. Iowa caucus. Um, so yeah, this ad is friggin' great. So, uh, actually, let me go to the uh, link here. So I'm not gonna play it again because it's like two minutes long. But go watch my video on it, or watch the the video here. But uh, just to give a shout out again to these amazing people, Leah Rose, she's the one that did the cover of the song in this video. Um, video producer Rocky Owens, and uh, editor uh, Ben Hallman. So awesome. Awesome people, incredible work. Watch my coverage on it right here. Beautiful new, uh, beautiful new Bernie Sanders ad is a must share. That's where it is. <clears throat> All right, um, moving on. Uh, Christopher, Christopher Crapello. Have you ever talked to your viewers about becoming a uh, precinct committee people to take over the Dem party? It's how the Tea Party took over the, uh, the Republicans. Precinct committee people. I don't know about this. I'm checking your link that you sent me. Okay, well, I can't read this now. Um, but... There's a story on this. So I don't know anything about this though, but thank you for your, uh, your donation, generous donation and your super chat. Sky Blue Brad says, remember to register. Yes, remember to register. Vote for Bernie.org. Since I always go to this website, vote for Bernie.org. Might as well just share it again. You go here, click on your state, tells you what's what, 
let's say, uh, Kentucky. Kentucky's a closed primary. So go to Kentucky, and then you put in your email address, your zip code. It tells you um, when the primary is, when to register by, and uh, how to vote in Kentucky, all that stuff. So voteforbernie.org, F-O-R, voteforbernie.org. And that will get you the stuff or the information you need. All right. Robert Penner says, when it crumbles to the bread scandal, sorry, uh, when it crumbs to the bread scandal, Pete isn't crustworthy. <laughs> when it crumbs to the bread scandal, Pete isn't trustworthy. Fantastic. Thank you, Robert. Uh, Kid says, imagine if California hadn't changed its primary date from June to March. I know. And early voting starts during the Iowa caucus. Our vote finally matters and we're ready to burn. Yeah, that is a miscalculation on the part of whoever did that. Because I think the idea at the time was to help Kamala Harris. But Kamala Harris, in her own state, before she dropped out, she was polling in like fourth in California. And that's her state. Um, completely backfired. So, man, Bernie can win California. It's going to be a lot of, uh, of delegates for him. All right, let me refresh, see if there's any more before I get out of here. M. Mockable says, also register as a Democrat in New York, had to change mine. There you go. If, in your, if you're in New York, again, if you're in any state, register as a Democrat. They're going to try and pull some funky stuff on you. Like, this is what happened. This is, this is the only worry that I have about this primary. On, like, okay, I shouldn't say that because you still have to get out and get involved. But the way it's looking right now, it's looking really good for Bernie Sanders. But the worry that I have is the voting process. Like, who knows? When it comes, like, when you get there, can you actually vote? Will they let you? Are the machines working? Like, all that kind of crap. So the way to overcome that is that all of you come out. As many people come out as possible to vote in the primary and caucuses. So to overwhelm it enough that even if there is any inconsistencies, any irregularities, that the mass amount of people that are voting will overcome any of those irregularities. So that is uh, the only way you can really combat that. Because otherwise you can't predict what... What kind of issues may arise during the the primary process? Uh, Shisa Lion Dog says, "I learned about Bernie's new ad and AOC's pack by watching your videos. Your analysis is always astute, well reasoned, and much appreciated." Thank you so much, uh, so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Shisa. Much appreciated. All right, I think that's it. So, um, I was noticing the live stream is. I think it's really behind where I am right now. Um, but yeah, so let me give you like a minute. If anyone wants to get any, uh, I just see T Hayes. What's up T Hayes? One of the mods in there. T Hayes and Andre holding it down. Um, so just, uh, I'll give you a minute. If anybody wants to send any, any, you know, super late super chats. Cause I always tend to get like, once I go offline, I get a super chat. Uh, and I feel bad. So get them in right now. There's a minute delay. So I'm going to be gone in like a minute. But or in two minutes. But in the meantime, um, go there to uh, to ensure that you are registered to vote. And Edward Cote. So Super Chat's coming in now. All right. So the last one's coming in. Edward Cote says, U.S. politics hurt Canada with that price fixing. 
Pete bragged about McKinsey at the start. I'm worried about caucus cards. Let me check your link. So I got to say, if you're worried, overwhelm the system. Okay, so this link was just shared by Edward Cote. AP explains new rules could muddle results of Iowa caucuses. All right, I haven't read this. Um, let's just read the top lines just so we get, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but get an idea what this is about. For the first time, the Iowa Democratic Party will report three sets of results from the party's presidential caucuses, and there is no guarantee that all three will show the same winner. Each set of results represents a different stage of the caucus. The new uh, rules for the February 3rd contest were mandated by the Democratic National Committee in a bid to make the process more transparent. In the past, Iowa Democrats reported only one set of results, the number of state convention delegates won by each candidate through the caucus process. Democrats choose their party eventual, their party's eventual White House nominee based on national convention delegates, and the state delegates are used to determine those tools in Iowa. Um, okay, well, here's the thing. We have no control over this, right? Like, we don't know if this is good or bad. This may actually be good. Like, I, the, the thing with... Bernie was so close to winning Iowa in 2016 against Hillary Clinton that I think he he likely won the state because um, the marge like it was what like like 0.2 percent difference or something. Um, so having three potential results may actually may actually give more transparency to the process. I don't know, um, but I'm, I I can't finish reading this. But um, basically, like I said earlier, if you're worried about any of this, get out vote bring people with you to get out and vote or caucus like that's how you overcome any irregularities in the system is just overwhelm the system with support for sanders that's how you do it and uh all right the last super chats here so whatever's in now i'm that's what i'm getting so daniel junkens junkens gets the last one um sends me some link let's see what it is i'm not gonna play if it's potentially a copyright issue, I'm not going to play. Um, I, I don't know how the hill is with copyright stuff. But it starts at 404. All right, let me just share it. I think it'll be okay. Um, I saw the campaign released a new ad. Let's take a look at that. If you are willing to fight for a government of compassion and justice and decency, not only will we win this election, but together we will transform this country. The pain that one person feels. So what is the closing argument that you're bringing to the doors and and, um, talking about on the phone? Sure. Um, So this is the Iowa State Director. We can be anything we have the courage to see, right? In the in the words of Representative Ocasio-Cortez. And that's what this campaign has always been about, is we are taking on the hard issues and we're putting forward solutions and we got to all put skin in the game. And so we're very honest with voters about the kind of challenge that's in front of us to really take on climate change, make Medicare for all right, or, or uh, pass Medicare for all, make healthcare a human right. Um, but, you know, as a country, we have always done, you know, taken the hard path and done what's right. And that's what this country, this country, 
country and this campaign is all about. Um, we believe uh, that when we come together and we do build the largest grassroots coalition that we've ever seen, anything is possible. We can finally, after 100 years of talking about it, make healthcare a human right. We can finally... All right, so go to The Hill. Uh, I'm not going to play the whole interview. Go to The Hill to watch that interview if you want to check that out. Um, but if, if the Super Chat was about the, the ad, I already covered it yesterday. So check out my coverage of that um, right here. Beautiful new ad for Bernie Sanders is a must share. Went up yesterday. Check it out. All right. Um, I think there was one more Super Chat I pop, saw pop up at the last second. You're lucky you just got it in. So uh, Vib Hassam says, if you are forced to choose Warren's public option plan or Tulsi's Australian style single payer, uh, probably Tulsi's Australian style single payer, just because I don't think s- splitting the Medicare for all fight into two fights like Warren has is just dumb. It's going to be hard enough to pass one thing on healthcare, let alone two and Medicare for all right before your reelection. So Warren's plan is just completely stupid and unrealistic. Um, Tulsi's Australian style single payer, uh, payer plan is at least, it's not Medicare for all, but it's, it's, um, it's at least one bill, I think. Um, and it's not horrible. So it's, it, it's better. Uh, I would choose that one over, war- over Warren's, but all right. Did I just hear another super chat? You people, uh, really playing it fast and loose here. Um, Prague Rocker says, how do I contact you? Through Super Chat. There you go. <laughs> you can try on Twitter, uh, though I can't always see everything on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, I would try Twitter or Super Chat like you just did right now. All right. Thank you for watching. I'll be back uh, next week again for another live stream. See you later. Mm-hmm.